Hey guys, just a quick disclaimer before this episode. Uh, the following is intended for entertainment purposes only. It is not medical advice. This is just merely an anecdote of how certain plant medicines have helped me personally. We started this podcast with the intention of sharing new ways of thinking and spreading ideas. With that said, please do your research if you do intend to use these alternative medicines, especially if you have a spinal cord injury and you are susceptible to autonomic dysreflexia or if you are already taking mood-altering medication such as antidepressants. I can't stress how important this is. So, without the way, let's get cracking with this week's episode. Cheers, enjoy! Hello and welcome to Apes on Tape. We are your hosts, Fredo Smith and Benji Sauter. We're here to fill your ears with some nonsense about the weird and wonderful aspects and adventures of being human. From the cosmic to the microscopic and everything in between. Let's go. Hello, welcome to another episode of Apes on Tape. Hi there, how's it going? Yes, hello there. Indeed. I've been told explicitly this episode to swear less. No, I no, I didn't say that. I just said maybe we Fuck should... <laughs> I said but well, too late. Uh, I just said maybe... start again. No, 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 no. I like it. I like it. Keep what? That's reckless. Yeah, well. What about all the kids listening? Well, they can f off. They can f off. <laughs> no, see. Oh, this is a terrible start. No, I only mentioned that I think maybe we should swear a little bit less. But obviously, we've ruined that. Yeah. We're, what, 10, 15 seconds into the podcast, and there's already been expletives. Expletives. Yes. Anyway. Um, Moving swiftly on. Welcome to Apes on Tape. And today, we want to talk about, or we thought it would be a good idea to talk about psychedelics and their healing properties mm. and personal experiences with them. Excellent. Well, we've got a nice easy springboard to start off because you've got a, uh, a pretty poignant experience that certainly uh, yes. spun your life in another direction. Psychedelics saved my life. Boom, um, that's the headline. Yeah, boom. You see that? Psychedelics saved my life. But I'm not using... That's the Channel 4 show, actually. Mm. Mm. That's what I'd read on the Radio Times. Yeah, exactly. It'd be a good advert. But I'm not using hyperbole. This is a genuine thing. I was psych- uh, suicidal. Psychocidal? <laughs> I was suicidal after my spinal cord injury because I found it tough dealing with a permanent disability. I was an avid snowboarder, mountain biker, a chef in a busy kitchen, and I associated myself and my identity with all these things. All of a sudden they were taken away from me. I felt like I didn't have, or yeah, I, I, I was confused. I didn't know what my identity was, who I was. And if my if my life was worth living, you know, because all these th- things that I did before, mm. identified with before, I could no longer do. But would you say you would now found that sort of uh, you would now find that sort of assumption offensive? I wouldn't say offensive. I'd just say it's understandable that I felt that way. No, um, if someone, but like, if someone was to put that to you. Like, oh, if I was in your situation, I would just kill myself. I would probably say, yeah, I completely understand. I've mm. been there mm. and I thought about it a lot. Mm. Uh, so much so that I 
wrote a suicide note and pretty much attempted it. Mm. Um, I when I say attempt, it it it's sort of a semi attempt. What I did was I had a load of morphine and I emptied them all out uh, into a bottle and I was just like, right, I'm just gonna just neck this whole bottle and that's it. Like with a load of diazepam, I did my research and I was like, this is definitely gonna work. Mm. Um, It'll just slow my breathing and heart rate down enough for me to pass away. Mm. And I can easily just, you know, have quite a a fairly painless death and and that'll be it. I I will no longer need to suffer with my mental health. I'll just just pass away. Um, But then, (laughs) ironically enough, I actually smoked some weed and then I felt a little bit better about myself. And I was like, oh, you know what, I, I, I might just might just do it another day mm. so technically smoking weed saved my life yeah cannabis saved my life you saved your life really yeah because I was just like oh I'll smoke some weed first yeah and then I was like oh, oh maybe not now <laughs> but um, no so when I say psychedelics saved my life I'm talking about psilocybin mushrooms specifically and I did a psilocybin ceremony or I took them uh with an intention, uh, and I like to call that ceremoniously, like with intention, in silence. And my intention was, you know, give me a reason for living. And basically it was it was kind of a real, you know, uh, when I say sometimes you have an epiphany, I find it's almost like having a firm grasp of the obvious. And there was a moment, and it was very, very simple, but it was just the sun shone through the window on my face and the feeling of the sun on my face I was just like well this is this is worth living for I can still feel the sun on my face Mm. and that is a wonderful feeling and that is is something worth living for yeah absolutely can I ask you something uh potentially personal of course but uh let's let's go for it like what was what what happened in the transition period between you uh like emptying out all these these drugs ready to take the morphine and the the valium etc uh obviously you smoked the weed and you're like you sort of felt a bit calmer like you know bottled it for lack of a better thing and was like Mm -hmm. i'll do it another day during that period before you took the psilocybin mushrooms what was your thought process like why were you what made you take mushrooms? Because obviously you were in a headspace generally of like, oh, maybe not today, but like probably tomorrow, if not the next day. Mm. At what point did you be like, actually, maybe I'll eat some of these mushrooms? Did like, did anyone direct you in that way? Or was it, how, how did it come about, basically? Well, from previous experience, basically, I've had a lot of experience with psychedelics in the past, mostly recreational, but from an ayahuasca ceremony that I attended before I realised that there was a way of taking the mushrooms with an intention and I like to refer to that as like a ceremonial usage. Mm. Um, and basically all, all that means is, is, I, is I write down an intention in a diary, I meditate for a bit on it and then I ingest them th- usually through a tea mm. and then... I will do it in silence, so I won't speak about it. Um, I can do it in the presence of other people, um, normally just Lou and I or maybe some close friends, mm. and I will just let the... 
I'll let them speak to me. I'll I'll just receive the message. It's almost like I'm sort of channeling the some sort of uh, I hate that word, but I'm mm. sort of channeling uh, some sort of I guess divine power or, or at least heightened brain activity. Mm. Um, and normally I can get the answers to the question. Mm. And the reason I was it was just like well you know you might not be able to snowboard down a mountain mm. and you might not be able to fly through the trees on your bike but you can still feel the sun on your face mm. and that is a wonderful feeling mm. you can still you know write songs you can still draw pictures you can still make youtube videos you can still you can still do lots of things you can help other people you know and i'm sure there's been other people that have suffered spinal cord injuries that have have had these experiences and where they're like oh you know i my life is bloody worthless. I'm an absolute burden to everyone. What What's the point? Um, and that's where I was. I was like, you know, I'm such a burden. Uh, I can't do simple things that I used to do. And I may as well kill my... It would be better for other people if I mm. wasn't here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was just like, well, no. How about... How about no? <laughs> how about No. You crazy Dutch bastard. Exactly. So I didn't do it. And fast forward, I again, there's so many things in hindsight where I'm so grateful that I didn't do it because one of them being uh, I moved house into a much better apartment and that happened, again, due to a very negative experience, which I'll go into detail later maybe. But um, And then the COVID happened and... While it was devastating for a lot of people, it was also an enormous global phenomenon, which I th- I reflect back on and be and, and be like, man, if I'd have killed myself, I would have missed out on this like <laughs> global pandemic, which didn't actually hurt me in the slightest. You know, like um, nobody I know suffered personally. I moved house. The weather was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I had, you know, I moved into a place with a garden and room for Luna to run around. And, you know, I was playing fetch with Luna and just just having a bloody wonderful time. And I remember thinking, I'm so glad I didn't kill myself because it was only three, four months earlier. that I was just like, yeah, I'm doing it. going to kill myself. And then four months later, I was like, I'm probably the happiest I've been in my life. How has this changed? But I just... I don't know, it's like I had a switch flick in my brain that was just, it, and it just helped me focus on all the positive things. Mm. And I think that that's where it can really help. That's a good uh, a good little uh, good little monologue there, but you eluded my question. Did I? You did, yeah. So my question was, um, what happened between you deciding not to take the pills today and deciding to take the mushrooms? Like what made you be like, actually, I think I won't kill myself. I'm going to take psilocybin mushrooms. Like, you remember how you, how, you, how you had that feeling, why you had that feeling? Um, I think just from previous experiences, I, like I said, I had a lot of uh, experience with them in the past, um, helping me. You know, I know that they have immense power to shift your perspective was it the life. first time you'd taken it ceremoniously or, or no, no no I'd done it before so I, it, so you you saw it as a way to help you you didn't sort of like someone wasn't like oh try these or you might feel better or you were like mm, shit instead of like you know this might help me 
stop feeling suicidal. Yeah. That was your that that was your reason for taking them. Yeah. You and already knew. You to know. be honest, I I really don't know why it took me so long um, to do that. It mm. must have been almost a year. So I think the first six months after I got injured was fairly cruisy. Like it certainly had a lot of challenges, mm. but I was high on morphine mm. a lot. Um, they gave me a lot of opiates, which really does, which was very necessary, to be fair, for the physical pain. Mm. But it also helped dull the emotional pain a lot. And the reason that I think I became suicidal was not just the fact that I was de- dealing with the disability, was that I was weaning off opiates as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that left me feeling with a very, like, like a, an, an enormous emotional deficit. Yeah where I was like, oh, fuck, I haven't dealt with this emotionally. Mm. And now I'm, you know, it's all catching up with me. And what am I doing with my life? Like, what, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to earn money? Like, what? oh, my God, like, I, you know, I'm not just spaced out all the time. And Yeah. And, yeah, it was just, it was a very, it was a combination of, of a lot of things that were, that were going on in my life. And I was, I was very down. Mm. And, uh so yeah, again, your question was I've I, I to be honest, what what made me take them? I think what surprised me is that what, what took me so long to yeah. realize. Yeah. Of course, this is a um, good idea. A good idea because yeah. I've done it in the past. I know the potential it has to shift your perspective, and instead of focusing on all the negative things about focusing on the, the wonderful, simple pleasures in life, like mm. the sun on your face. And mm. and obviously, my girlfriend Lou, who is just so wonderful, like she stuck by me through one of the darkest, you know, not only did I suffer a permanent disability and I lost a lot of my abilities, but I was a proper downer, man. I was just like, oh, I'm probably going to kill myself. And, mm. and you know, like, you deserve better. And she just stuck by me. She was like... You know, like, it's okay, like, you know, I just couldn't, honestly, and it's, it pains me to say this, but imagine if the roles were reversed, I I wish, mm. I, I would like to think I could have done the same for her, mm. but it, you know, oh, it, it's really hard for me to admit, but it, it, what she did for me was outrageously special. Mm. And again, that was another reason it was just like, well, look at Lou, man. Mm. Like, well, surely that's the reason you should, you should, you should live. Mm. Like imagine she come, she comes home after all of this and then finds a dead body. Yeah. Like, and then in my, in my negative mind space, I was like, yeah, I know, but it'll be traumatic for a little while. But think about 10 years down the line, she'll be much happier with an able-bodied person. Mm. You know, she doesn't want you like an, in a wheelchair mm. and <laughs> this was this was the demons in my head talking you know and then yeah. obviously the i guess the angels in my head were like actually you you, you can still make a laugh man you know like <laughs> you still tell funny jokes you're yeah. still you yeah you know um again you know just all she wants is for you to be happy and if you're happy then she's happy and you know she doesn't care that you're in a wheelchair and there are obstacles and we'll get past them together. And it was just really, again, it was just a real perspective shifter and it was incredibly beneficial. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I think the power of psychedelics for healing emotional trauma is incredibly powerful and it shouldn't be... Uh, illegal. 
it shouldn't be illegal and it shouldn't be frowned upon and it shouldn't be um, pigeonholed as, mm. uh, you know, something... drug users. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I agree strongly. I really like to prefer to uh, call it a medicine. Yeah. Rather than, than yeah. a drug. Because even the word drug has a has a negative connotation, really. Yeah. Don't do drugs, man. Yeah, drugs yeah. are bad. But medicine's good. And I believe this is a very powerful medicine that does yeah. a lot of good for people. Yeah. Well, I uh, yeah, obviously I happen to agree agree strongly. I had another another question around um around the grace that you you say uh Lou acted with in in like staying with you. Mm. And you you think that you wouldn't have been able to form that level of grace had the had the shoe been on the other foot. Oh. <laughs> I would like to See, this is such a difficult thing for me to bring up because um, Lou is an incredible, incredibly kind, wonderful soul. And I feel like I'm probably a bit more selfish. And um, it's not that I don't think I could have handled the, um, the disability thing. It was just the fact that I was just such a uh, such a downer, man. I was such a Debbie Downer. Like every mm. every day, it's not. It's just the fact that I was mo- I was moping around, just like oh, you know, I might kill myself, mm. you know. And I just, I don't know. Mm. I just, I just don't know, man. I. It's an in- it's an interesting thought experiment, isn't it? To wonder mm. you will never know. Obviously, you can never know how mm. you behave in certain situations. I I read a book a few years ago uh, that the name escapes me a bit. It's about uh, an, a neuroscientist that um, suffers an illness, I think, which leaves him in a coma for some while, and it's uh, and it's pretty hopeless. It looks pretty hopeless for him. Um, and at the beginning of the book, I think it speaks about his marriage, um, and obviously something that's something that uh, shifted and changed massively when he went through this, uh, like, very spiritual experience, is what he said. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about at the moment. It's uh, the fact that, I can remember it saying that he went through two years, I think it was, of depression. Mm. Um, and I remember just sort of selecting that sentence out and being like, fuck, two years. Like I've mm. had so many, I've had like, you know, quite a few relationships in which things have been bad for, you know, a month to six months and you just sort of, you wade through it or you work it out or you don't. And, you know... Or it may have even been longer than that. It was, it, and I was flabbergasted by the fact that fuck, they've managed to struggle through this. He's been depressed for two years, and like when you're in a long marriage, like you know, the longest relationship I've had is is, is four, nearly five years, mm. and to, and to cordon off a two year section of that for depression seems absolutely just impossible to me because maybe because of like the generation I am, like the disposable culture that we live in that you know if things seem wrong you fucking throw them away pretty quick mm-hmm. and I was amazed at the fact that like they were in a relationship that went through a, a, you know a period of two years of which must have been you know it must have been hell it's awful living with someone depressed or, or being depressed mm-hmm. you know you, you feel like a massive burden if you're depressed and it's a d- depression is unfortunately a really quite a, a selfish condition you know it's very mm-hmm internet and it, you know it, it, it's all consuming and I that's I sort of relate that to, to what you're talking about just there that fuck you just gotta you've just gotta stick it out 
You've just yeah. got to stick it out for the for the long run, you know. And you, how long are you holding on for 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 what is a brighter day? Because there's no time limit on it. It's not like uh, he's going to be down for like six months, a year, two years. You're just like, fuck. What? How? How do we? How do we fix this? How do we get through this? And there's no. You know how when you're walking somewhere, it always feels a lot longer when you don't know where you're going. Yeah. And then you walk back the other way. You're like, oh, it's not that long because you know where you're going. Yeah. It's like that when you're like. When you're trying to help someone through depression, you don't know when it's going to end. You don't know how it's going to end. You've just got to, you know, you just got to stick on your wellies and yeah, keep trudging. Exactly, but it, well, that, that's what you're saying. Like we're like in the culture that we we've grown up in, this sort of like disposable culture. And, and again, I've been in relationships where as soon as it starts to not work, then it's like, okay, cool, well, okay, fine, bye, mm. and. Um, you just kind of move on and mm. and whereas Lou was just so uh just willing to be like no no it, it it's fine like it, it like i've i've she's suffered with me. the thing is like before i i feel like incredibly lucky to be one of these people that have never really suffered with mental health issues um i was diagnosed with ADD or ADHD when i was younger but i almost see that as a gift really I mean I, I know it, sometimes it can be really incredibly frustrating for people around me because I'm so bonkers and hyperactive uh, and then distracted and, and stuff like that but I normally I'm on a pretty high mm. high you know I'm like way you know like um, I don't know and I don't really you know I've had periods where I'm down but I can't ever really say I've been depressed apart from that period then when I had deep 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 mm. depression whereas Lou has suffered with mental health issues before so she could really relate to me she could mm. be like I'm really you know I've, I've been there it's fine like you know and she empathized with me beautifully mm. and saw me out the other side and and I was just like you know wow <laughs> mm. you're amazing thank you so much yeah um, and that's why I say like I honestly hand on heart don't know if I could have done the same thing mm. because I hadn't suffered and do, I don't know if I've honestly I could have had that level of empathy that she yeah. had yeah which which saddens me yeah well hopefully you'll never find out yeah <laughs> I know but um what about you have you ever you've been in that place in a wheelchair <laughs> I've had a go on yours a couple of times you have yeah I ended up on the floor of Cafe Show the first time so you did didn't go too well um, what do you mean seriously have you ever been in a period of such low mental health that you were so depressed that you wanted to kill yourself um, no I haven't I, I have struggled with mental health uh, throughout um, my adolescence and a little bit in my adulthood for sure um, I, I think uh, when I was 18 it probably started and it's in my family like um, my uncle uh, is bipolar my mum suffered with depression it's, it's quite rife in my family actually mm. um, so I'm sure it'll be around the corner any minute now but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, and I was very erratic I always have always been very up and up and down but again I see that as quite a, quite a gift the ups are, the ups mm. are pretty, pretty fucking awesome Excuse mm. me, fucking beep, 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 awesome. But <laughs> um, uh, when I was eighteen, I, I started feeling depression. Came it usually came around the full moon as well, mm. and still to this day, I have to be reminded by my mum. Like I'll be really down I, to a point where I'll call her and be like, "Oh, I'm just feeling really, 
really rubbish at the moment, like really, really bad. I just can't work it out. Mm. Don't know what's wrong. Everything's rad. I've got a, a great life. And she's like, have you, you do know it's full moon, don't you? I'm like, oh, no, 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 I didn't. I'm mm. an idiot. And, and that, that perpetuated for, for a bit when I was, when I was, yeah, 18. And then, uh, and then it came back again in my 20s. And that was quite serious. Uh, I found it really hard to deal with. Um, I never wanted to kill myself, but I often wanted to uh, not exist, mm. which is a, a, it's definitely a, a big difference to like considering ways to actually kill yourself. But I just I wanted to be nowhere. That was a very strong sense of just non-existence, desperately trying to be swallowed up by the earth, but not killing myself. Um, but yeah, I got I got past it. But I've I've dealt with it. And like I've, I've obviously dealt with it a lot. In, in my life my a previous partner had it pretty seriously she was often um, pretty dangerously depressed I don't want mm. I don't want to say suicidal but you know I mean it's, it's certainly it was considered a few times and it was it was definitely hard and then uh, I got really pretty bad after after spending time in in Calais working working in the the jungle. Yeah, you told me about that, which really surprised me because I had no idea how bad it was really mm. until you'd explained it to me about yeah. how. Yeah, I t- again, I think um, I I mistakenly thought of you as just like a, oh a bit of a do gooder, and I, it sounds really bad, but like oh yeah, he's just this uh, altruistic dickhead who <laughs> yeah. just like likes to help people and I, I, I obviously that take that as a pinch of salt because I'm, I'm joking yeah. for being humorous for yeah, the sake yeah. of being funny yeah. but um, altruistic but, dickheads is, is, a, is a quote from how we how the collective of the Calais uh, volunteers were written about in an article oh really yeah yeah oh there you You're go paraphrasing yeah. Yeah, yeah oh right yeah. well yeah accidentally paraphrasing but yeah no I I I, I, I thought it was wonderful um that you, that you that you that you were helping out in Calais, and I thought it was like a really rewarding experience, and that's why you did it. But after you explained it to me and highlighted how sort of horribly depressing it was, and, and almost addictively so, and mm. I just felt it was such an eye opener because I, I'd never thought of it in that light before. And when you ex- explained it to me, I was like, "Well, bloody hell! Like, why on earth <laughs> do you want to sit down? Would you?" Why on earth did you do it? But yeah, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to go into more detail, but that was incredibly eye-opening for me. Yeah, I will go into more detail because it actually does. Uh, it does have a he- happy ending, which is also. Um, oh, it's not with psychedelics, but it felt like it was. But anyway, I'll go into it. Uh, yeah, so it was. It was just a. Uh, the depression didn't didn't come until afterwards, really, like because during the process you're just so wrapped up and involved, and nothing else matters, um, quite rightly so, because you you go to work every day and you don't take a day off because why would you ever take a day off when if you go to work you can build a family a house that's currently living in a tent and risking like theft, rape you know, violence of, of many different kinds, not to mention the weather and police police brutality, you could go to work and be like, oh, I'm going to build you a house with a door and a lock and a mm. wood-burning stove, you know. Um, or I could take that day off that I've been meaning to take for the last 30 days. You're obviously never going to take that day off. Mm. And, and the problem there is that you will always put 
because of the fact that you're there for starters means you're that sort of person and you're just going to always put those people very rightly so above your own well-being and as it started off as a very grassroots situation there was not a lot of monitoring there's not a lot of management it was just people sporadically turning up and helping off their own back there wasn't rotors there wasn't systems that was all developing as as we were there because it was the very early stages of the you know well I mean obviously it's been going on for decades but the early stages of that situation specifically um, and when you don't take care of yourself you're no good to anyone else either so there was just a lot of broken people just just running on ego yeah to, to, like it, it was there was a a competitive streak of like how much can you sacrifice that was that was the hierarchical measurement of like oh when was your last day off you know mm. oh I haven't had a day off in two months oh well shit I better work even harder yeah. how, how much can I make my hands bleed <laughs> like yeah. helping this situation um, and it was obviously like there was a you know it was the best place in the world and the worst place in the world is what I always say I'm sure I've said it before because there was so much kindness so much love so much care um, but it was just a dangerous, dangerous place. It was full of, you know, mafia. It was, you know, at the at the worst point, 11,000 people, you know, 90% of them men, you know, unaccompanied children running around. It was, it was yeah. not a safe place to be, you know, a woman or a child. Yeah. Or really a man. Like, you know, it was, yeah. it was, it was lawless. There's no law. Um, and it, it was, you know, it was hor- horrifying, you know, you spend spend your nights causing accidents on the motorway so you can, so you can get on the back of a truck, aggravating the police who then shoot you with rubber bullets and tear gas you. Wow, yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it was just a, a melting pot of the worst parts of humanity. And then, you know, the next day you, you, you see you know the most beautiful thing you've ever seen like you know some some guy queuing up to to get food for some kid he doesn't know or yeah you know beautiful acts of of kindness and compassion just like interwoven absolutely everywhere and and a complete you know multicultural multiracial yeah you know loving circle that can quickly obviously prove to you that it's the the polar opposite as well um, but yeah, obviously, like I was saying, as you don't, uh, you don't give yourself a day off. Um, I w- I had a, like quite a strong, beautiful relationship with the person that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Mm. And she, she worked too hard. She cared too much. And I, I unfortunately saw this being the demise of our relationship before she did. And mm. I tried to pull her away. I was like, we need to leave because this is, we're crumbling. Mm. everyone's crumbling this is a mess um but she couldn't hear me you know you you can't um and I understand that she couldn't but it was really painful for me and I I I tried to leave a few times I did go back to England once or twice for for weeks at a time uh, but then I just got pulled back by her and by the situation yeah I can imagine and um yeah it, it yeah it just it tore me down emotionally and then I I, I was I just got stuck there and it just got too important. I cancelled a holiday with my mum. We were due to go on holiday to to the Canary Islands, I think, and it was a, a com- particularly poignant part of the situation. Things were things were kicking off between the police and, and the refugees and there was going to be evictions and I was like, I can't leave. 
of course. I'm attached to this place. I'm sorry, we have to cancel, you know, a several thousand pound holiday because I'm I can't leave. I can imagine you would feel an enormous amount of guilt being like, oh, okay, well, I'm I'm just gonna. I know that everything's kicking off here, guys, but I'm just gonna go sit on a beach for a couple of weeks mm. and I'll be back. Yeah, and you'd be like, well, no, I, 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 I yeah, I, I, Mum couldn't understand it. She was like, no, just it will be fine without you. And I was like, there's no way I'm sitting around a fucking all-inclusive hotel pool sipping a mojito when I know my friends are fighting, literally fighting either fires or police and trying to save people they know and have loved for the past year or so like you know homes they've built like lives they've they've got to know so I just yeah I, I ended up staying and, it, and I, I I'm glad I did yeah retrospectively like I could have left for sure like it, I wasn't important it was only important to me it wasn't important to the situation yeah it was for me that I stayed but I wouldn't have coped with that level of that level of guilt of leaving the situation at that point. No, I can totally understand that. I can mm. totally see that. Yeah, you you like you're emotionally attached to the situation. Mm. You, yeah, mm. and yeah. very tough. And then it all it all fell apart. It was you know it was bulldozed by the police whilst being set on fire by you know fascists and refugees themselves in an act of control, which ended in a lot of you know dangerous violence and and fires that we had to do our best to stem because you know the emergency service never turned up wow because why would they actually I'm gonna I'll, I'll, I'll do a little plug here right now there's a there's a, a documentary called On on Your Doorstep by a friend of mine Tom Lawrence which is coming out in a few few days maybe weeks you, know, you should watch that look for it online On yeah. Your Doorstep that's a documentary that he filmed during our during our time there On Your Doorstep mm. Um, Excellent, yeah. I remember you said that you watched that recently and it was quite... Um, it's kind of brought it all flooding back. Mm, yeah, I really thought I'd, I'd grown and got, got past it. And um, and then yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll definitely watch this documentary. I've been really invested in it for mm. the sake of my friend because he's put a lot of his time, love and energy and a hell of a lot of money has gone into making this documentary uh, what it was. So I'm glad for him that he's he's manifested something as meaningful as, as it is. And I was like, yeah, of course I'll watch it. So I signed on, watched it with a few mates, and then I was, I was, I, I was knocked. I got fully knocked off my perch, and mm. I was pretty pretty down, pretty depressed for a couple of days. Couldn't couldn't hack it. wasn't wasn't expecting it. But um, going back to the the depression, have, after the situation finished and we all left, you know, naturally. Obviously, my relationship had broken by that time. Um, I was, I was then just, just a horrible dead, dead mess, uh, mm. really. Uh, and uh, to interject a little bit of chemistry, hormone chemistry. When your brain is like under stress, you get um, a hormone called cortisol is released uh, very in very tiny amounts onto the top of your brain in order to make you act. So cortisol is what makes you fight, flight, or freeze, basically. Mm -hmm. And when you're receiving this hormone and you're not acting um, because, like, for example, you, you don't know where your next meal's coming from or you don't know where you're sleeping tonight, mm. like what a refugee is going through all the time, you're getting cortisol, just fed, 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 and then eventually your body's like, you're not fucking doing anything. We're sending him cortisol and he's doing fuck all about it. Yeah. Stop sending cortisol. Stop it because it's a, like, it, if you have too much of it, it damages your brain. Uh, and that's what makes you numb to everything. Mm. 
and that's that that's how I had become which is technically uh, post-traumatic stress disorder you just don't feel anything yeah. you don't you're not overjoyed by anything you're not happy about anything you're not sad about anything you have no hormonal emotional connection to any empty yeah any experiences that are happening and I can remember just being being really quite cold and heartless to a, to a good friend of mine she, she I was hanging out with her and I hadn't for a long time and she was like fuck I've, I've just been asked to move out of my flat in two months my house my home and I was like yeah and what <laughs> and I didn't care and I was just like oh look I found another flat for you right here it's on right move it's just up the road and she was like this is awful I've got to leave I've been asked and in fairness that's a horrible thing to suddenly find out you're getting kicked out in a month or whatever it was and I just couldn't relate I was just like you just find you know find one for the same price you've got money you've got a job it's right here yeah and you've got two months yeah it's not like you've like, just been exactly and I was relating it to like it's not like you're a fucking refugee yeah. you know you've got a fucking home you've got money you've got the freedom and ease and obviously no one wants to hear that and rightly so the problems are completely different they're not comparable mm-hmm. and I, I realised at that point I was like oh you're a fucking heartless heartless bastard mm. and that's where I realised I needed to to look for something so I went away for like a for a month in mm-hmm. my van and just surfed and uh, meditated and yoga and ate good food and I, I will say like I was only going through the, the motions I wasn't like yeah sick surfing I was like just do the things you know you love and you know are good for you and eventually after three weeks I can remember like the spot I was walking back from the beach Moliatima in the the uh, west coast of France and I was just walking along this path that I always walked up through and it's like everything suddenly got turned into colour yeah. And like the lights came on and it was like I'd taken psilocybin I, I felt high I was like sh- I was taken aback like I stopped walking because mm. I was like you this is like being on mushrooms and obviously what it was is my brain had had enough rest and was like oh should we should we turn the hormones back on on this kid he's, he's had yeah. low enough and, and so it was like a chemical shift in the brain which sort of like lit the world up yeah it went from black and white to full yeah very Full much. colour. And suddenly I loved surfing and I loved food and I was stoked because I was actually doing some artwork for the, the same friend who was getting married. Yeah. Um, I was doing the artwork for her, her wedding. So I had something productive and creative to do. And that was the switch. And yeah, so since, since that day forth, I've been very lucky to be like super grateful and appreciative of all the small things in life. And I can now appreciate the, you know, the horrors that I was bearing witness to and be grateful that it's not me yeah rather than compare horribly to the to the very like you know first world life that I lead and be like well, it's not that bad it's not that bad it's it's mm. I'm lucky to to see it through a through a grateful yeah. lens rather than a a cynical one mm. well I have to say that I can relate to that because sometimes people say you know, oh, my knee really hurts. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like well, so what? I'm in a wheelchair. Mm. Like, you know, basically my right leg is completely numb mm. and I've got no voluntary movement below the waist and I can't walk. And your knee hurts. Like, what well, <laughs> do you expect me to have sympathy for your yeah. hurty knee? Yeah. You know, who gives a shit? Like, it, what, like in a couple of weeks it won't hurt anymore. Mm. Or you'll be walking on it. Yeah. Um, but it's... To that person at that time, it, it, it mm. sucks. I've had a hurty knee, mm. and it was like, it was shit, shit. Yeah. You know, like, especially if it's, it's more than a hurty knee, it's like, a, 
you know, like a meniscus or something damaged, you're like, mm. well, yeah, cool. Like you'll have an operation one day and, and yeah, you know, it could be a year. Mm. I'm in this wheelchair for life. Bitch. Don't complain to me. Mm. But like, that's not, it's not, that's not, that's not the correct attitude to have because no. everyone's problems are there, are there problems, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But there was a, there was a time in my life where I was very, very unsympathetic to, yeah. to people. I was just like, well, I don't care, man. Like, everything's, everything's not as bad as this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which isn't exactly true because I find myself nowadays um, uh, in this almost opposite realm of just utter gratitude for so much. Uh, It's it switched. I'm, I sometimes, I don't know, I'm just so overwhelmed with gratitude for small things. Um, I can't even imagine uh, complaining about you know, when other people complain about, uh, I don't know, other things, uh, I, I'm just like, well, what about all the things you do have? Like, it's obvious that you're focusing mm. on, on all the negative aspects of your life. Why mm. don't you just focus on the fact that you've got a roof over your head and mm. food in your belly? And it seems really silly, but like, I find, I, again, like, I think maybe because not of just the one psychedelic experience I've had, but many psychedelic experiences I've had where I think it's just sort of attuned my brain, especially after this, this disability as well. Like instead mm. of being on this hedonistic treadmill of being like, what can I do next to, to fill my body with, with joy and adrenaline? Um, just be like, well, I, I'm really, really content with the things that I have mm. in my life already. And, you know, I have a meditation practice, I have a gratitude journal. And yeah, I'm, like I say, I, I find myself very, very content mm. a lot of the time. Do you think perhaps, uh, obviously, I, I, I agree, and like the, the regular psychedelic practice has definitely helped me on that pathway as well. But I think more than that, it was it was the observation of, of a much worse situation because it, it it opened my eyes to to what I had to be grateful for and like the simplest smallest things because because I was because I was seeing you know a lifestyle for, for thousands of people that was just just absolutely terrible mm-hmm. and mine wasn't and all that meant was like a little red book in my pocket that meant I could you know go go from one country to another and you know I could just go to the supermarket and wouldn't be spat on and I can buy whatever I like. Yeah. And I was so much more open to how awesome life was because I was seeing firsthand just how really crap it can be. And do you think perhaps that, you know, you got to see, you know, how crap life could make you feel, like to the point of like considering to, to end your own, like having observed that level of shitness do you think that brought you into a more grateful place because because you had that epiphany you had that realization that there is much more to be grateful like like you say the, yeah the sign I on your face. completely agree i think yeah um the experience of being utterly utterly you know rock bottom depressed 100 percent highlighted the fact that of what it's like to not be depressed, you know, mm. and to be like, well, 
Jesus, at least I'm not rock bottom depressed wanting to kill myself every day, mm. you know, and now I'm just really grateful for the very simple pleasures of like the, you know, the fact that um, I have a south facing window mm. and like around about, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, the sun beams through and I can feel the sun on my face. Mm. And, and that's a true gift. That's mm. a wonderful gift, mm. you know, and, and I love that. Mm. Um, and that, again, is just, I, I don't know, just focusing on that the the pure joy that that brings me mm. <laughs> it sounds so utterly overly overly simplified mm. but the, yeah but i think it's because of the contrast for mm. example i had a really stressful experience recently which i don't need to go into detail about but it was the, it was the fact that i was so stressed out and it was it was mainly internalized um and i know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was it was a but you never will but it was a situation that I realised that the level of stress that I was giving myself um, from internalising this battle with my ego um, was just the next day. For, so I was journaling and I was, I was going back and forth about, you know, how, you know, I can't control other people. You can only control yourself. But this guy's insulted me, you know, and he, he hadn't. No, no one had insulted me. But my, my ego was, was insulted. Mm. And I was reflecting the next day as I was journaling about just the, 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 the enormous contrast of how I felt yesterday compared to how I feel today. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm very rarely stressed. Mm. And it's just the fact that I was so stressed the day before. I was just like, wow. I hadn't really noticed how stress-free my life was until I experience that stress mm. and how much great, how grateful I am mm. to not experience stress all the time. Mm. And again, and so I think that directly relates to being rock bottom depressed, want to kill myself, yeah. as being like, oh, I don't want to kill myself today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like, so one of the things on my gratitude list almost every day is the fact that I don't wake up in pain because for about six months, possibly to a year, I would wake up in enormous, terrible pain. Mm. I had, you know, I broke my back. I had surgery on my back and I couldn't, I couldn't find a comfortable position to sleep in. And I was on a lot of painkillers. And even through mm. the painkillers, I was in physical pain. Mm. And now when I wake up, honestly, it's just like, hmm, <laughs> oh, I'm so grateful I'm not in pain. Yeah. And yeah. just the fact like waking up pain free mm. is just like, Something a lot of people take for granted. Mm. But I'm just like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't wake up in pain today. Mm. So I'd like to talk about something now that, that bounces from this. Um, and it's suffering. Now, uh, a book I read quite recently, which um, which did a lot for me, um, mentioned, talked about suffering and how, like, um, I'm going to use the word God right now, but, like, you know, you can use whatever you like. Universe, Pachamama, Mama, whatever, the, the, you know, let's say the universe... Um, doesn't like the idea that suffering is gracious, that suffering is holy, whereas mm. lots of religious texts can sort of allude to that, that uh, there is some holiness in, in suffering, that there is some grace to be found in suffering. And it was very clear in this book that, like, you know, it, that's not what, you know, that energy would want promoted that you should suffer, we should go through suffering. Life is about enjoying yourself, life is about love. Mm. But for the amount of learning that I've done through suffering and how much I've gained through suffering, I find it very hard 
not to seek it out by any means, but like to put it on a pedestal to realise mm. that there is a hell of a lot to be gained from it. And both you and me have just given three pretty, pretty staunch, uh, you know, accounts of where that has been, you know, long term, hugely beneficial yeah. to both of us. What do you what do you think about it? Absolutely. I think uh, in order for anything to exist, so must its opposite. You mm. know, uh, there can't be light without dark. You mm. know what I mean? There can't be left without right. Mm. Um, so in order to in order to highlight the, the you know, to, to, in, in order to highlight being free from suffering, you mm. first have to experience suffering, mm. you know, like to to be so grateful to not wake up in pain every day. You have to have spent a year waking up in pain mm. every day. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And then just being like, wow. You know, and people just, you know, I spent a lot, a lot of time. I've had a very privileged lifestyle mm. where I've travelled the world a lot. I've been, you know, again, on a hedonistic treadmill for many years, seeking out adrenaline and pleasure mm. and snowboarding and biking and I've had some wonderful, wonderful times, but then I'm always wanting more. Mm. And now all of a sudden I'm just like, wow, I'm just, I woke up and I wasn't mm. in pain today. That's mm. fucking buffed. Mm. You know, I love that. <laughs> How good is it, you know, just to, just to have basically a normal day mm. for, for most people. So what's your relationship with suffering now? Is it something that you would be like open to, to, experiencing again hmm. but because of what it can deliver you like for example I, I again I feel very grateful a lot of the time very appreciative a lot of the time and I, I like you was well probably is is a better better word to use like adrenaline and uh, and addicted to adrenaline but having had a, a long period of time you know searching for the next adrenaline rush like you know whatever bungee jumping skydiving whatever you want to do now having had that uh, like suffering bad time, I get the same pleasure that I used to from you know bungee jumping, snowboarding, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like from like you know eating an apple or mm. like you know listening to a river or walking in a mountain, mm-hmm. and like that's very tangible. That comparison, I'm like, oh, you're really stoked about this, mm-hmm. and you're just looking mm-hmm. at the view, or you're just walking up a hill or whatever. And I think to myself. God, how low do I have to get in order for even more just mundane everyday things to become absolute levels of you know elevation? Yeah. Like if how, if I I can't, and I actually I used to say this to my mum, and she said I was never allowed to do this until I until I got a therapy. But I used to I used to want to be homeless. Oh, really? Um, and I realised that I could never experience that. Because I'm white, um, from Tunbridge Wells, and I'm a man, so yeah. I won the lottery of life. Really, it's too easy yeah. for me. That you know, I, I would always be able to get myself out of a mess. I like to, I like to think, and you know, my mum's not rich by any stretch, but I certainly know that if I was in a, a horrible pickle, I could ring her up yeah. with a telephone that I've got and be like, "Mum, I'm in." you know, trouble. Yeah. Can you help? Oh, well, I'll have to talk to, you know, this friend and that relative and we can get the money and we'll get you out of prison in Burma, but you should really stop doing that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever, yeah. Whatever, you know. Um, and I always had this desire to be like, how could I be 
completely fucked. How could I like? Yeah. How could I not have any strings to pull, any people to rely on, and how would it feel to be that low to really have no calling card? Mm. What would you do? And I ha- I've always had a desire to feel like that. And I think if you could get to that place, that level of suffering, if you could empathise with what that person has to go through, like a refugee is a perfect example, like then after you've come out the other side, hopefully if you manage to, what feels what feels that you know, that elated to to you know, to yeah. pick up a fruit, to use a pencil, what, what what how how much ecstasy would you feel in the simplest of tasks? Well, it's a really good question. Um, you started off by saying like about my relationship with suffering and how the suffering has brought me so much introspection and, and joy in, and, be, and, con- and being so content with essentially mundane things. Mm. But, um, um, but my natural inc- inclination is to avoid suffering mm. at all costs because it's extremely unpleasant and I like to... I, no one wants to suffer. No mm. one wants to suffer. Even even if you know that through suffering you can learn so much more, mm. you know, and you can be so much more content with so much less mm. once you've experienced the darkest of lows. Mm. But no one wants to be in that place. Mm. Um, you still want to avoid it. Mm. Um, so it's a really difficult. Uh, it's it's difficult to ponder, you know, because um, like you say, in, in our position. We've always got that get out of jail free card. It seems mm. like no matter how low you go, mm. you could. The, we we've always got a phone call to make that mm. could, you know, it would be fine. Mm. Um, so, I don't know, man. Um, I, I have, I do. I have a fear of suffering. I have a fear. Mm. I, it, it's it's. You know, oh, you know, like uh, at the moment, I'm quite comfortable. I love my apartment. I love, mm. you know, even though I went from like hating my wheelchair mm. to being like, oh, fuck, I'm stuck in a wheelchair. Until I realized there are people out there in the world with spinal cord injuries that don't have wheelchairs. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, imagine if I didn't have a wheelchair. I'd be proper fucked. Mm-hmm. Like this wheelchair is actually liberating me. Mm. Like I'm so. Then I, w- I went from like being like, oh my god, I'm confined to a wheelchair, to being like, wow, I'm. If I didn't have this wheelchair, mm. I would be. Oh my god, how bad would life would be? Because I'd be. I'd. I'd well, what would I do? I'd crawl around, be mm. carried around, mm. bedridden. Um, that does sound like some suffering. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So. But then uh, you have said to me on a number of occasions that you're the happiest you've ever been. Mm. But like you couldn't go back in time to, you know, Freddo with legs and go, hey, Freddo, how do you fancy being the happiest you've ever been? Oh, fucking yeah. (laughs) You'll be really happy. Way happier than you are now. Really? Because I'm quite happy now. Like, no, you'll be content as fuck. Just come over here. I'm just going to push you off this cliff onto your spine. Sorry, mate. What? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, promise. I promise. It's going to work. It'll take a while, but it will work. You would be like, fuck off. Exactly. 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 I think perspective is everything, man. Um, It's... (laughs) (laughs) I know. Trust me. Just take a couple years. You'll be fine. 
It is weird. It is weird. So there was some. There was something I was reflecting on recently about how much I dislike the rain as a wheelchair user. Mm. Um, and I think anyone who's listening to this who is a wheelchair user can definitely relate. When it rains, it sucks. It's like, who wants to go out in the rain in a wheelchair? Your hand rims are like really slidey. Um, it's quite bloody dangerous. And it fucking sucks. Mm. Um, then you have the experience of like 50 centimetres of snow dumping and then literally you are imprisoned because mm. I couldn't get off my ramp. I had an experience where I rolled into the snow and I was stuck. I couldn't move. I couldn't turn around. I was literally six feet away from the bottom of my ramp and I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I had to call Lou and she, you know, if she hadn't have pushed me back onto the ramp. I think my only I'd option, still be out there. Yeah, I'd still be out there now. But, uh, you know, so my point is, having experienced the snow mm. and how complete, and God, it's not just like the odd snowfall. We had like two months mm. of real blizzards. And while a lot of our friends were like, uh, you know, split boarding, and especially with COVID, there was no, uh, you know, holiday makers. The slopes were completely empty. And even though the lifts weren't running, they were having these amazing powder days and having the time of their life where my playground had become my prison mm. and I couldn't even go outside my front door without the help of other people, mm. you know, shoveling the snow for me. And now when I see it rain, I'm like, oh, thank God it's not <laughs> snowing. <You know>? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, it's gone from something that I despised as a wheelchair user mm. to being something like, well, cool. Like, you know, mm. when it stops raining, I can still go out. Yeah. Like it, I don't have to wait weeks yeah. for the snow to melt. You know, I don't have to wait for the, you know, winter to be over. I don't have to wait for my neighbours to shovel the snow. Yeah. I don't have to, you know, wait for the big plough to come round and clear the roads. I don't have to ask someone to clear the snow off my car. Mm. It's just wet. Mm. It's great. You know, if I had to, I could get in my car within probably less than a minute yeah. and get a little bit wet, but I could still go to the shop. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, and again, like I say, that that's perspective, man. Mm. You know, mm. think, you know. The rain. If you think the rain's bad, mm. how about some snow? Exactly. There you go. We're all. We're, this is all along the same tagline. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. So, in conclusion, it could always be worse, man. It could always be worse. But then, if it is worse, when it's not worse, it's way better. And I think gratitude is the answer, man. And again, not just the fact that I've suffered, but the fact that I've since my suffering I've maintained a daily meditation practice uh, I've started journaling mm. I've be um, I mean I did these things before but I've been more militant with them I, I, I suppose to be fair I've got I'm in a very privileged position to have a lot of time on my hands mm. and a lot of resources I have again I get up I get in my standing frame mm. I meditate I journal and I think about what I'm grateful for every day mm. and those things enormously help mm. enormously um having <laughs> i was reflecting on this the other day with um dominic who is my who's my physiotherapist and he i was explaining this situation of of being really stressed and having this internal battle with my ego mm. and he was saying well just imagine you didn't have a meditation practice mm. um you would have just 
called this guy a cunt, <laughs> you wouldn't have held back. And you'd have been like, you know what, man? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. And then, you know, in, but instead you you witnessed the mind and you were paying attention to what you were paying attention to and you managed to... Give me a ring and moan at me instead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was like, hey, man, I'm having this internal battle here with my ego. And, and, and yeah, just, I, I don't know. I think just, again, having a daily routine. There are certain things that you can put in place. Um, I don't think ne- the, the suffering... I think suffering is, you know, a necessary part of, of being grateful. I don't think it's necessary. It's a shortcut. It's, yeah, it's a shortcut. So you could either take psychedelic mushrooms and acid and realise there's a lot to be grateful, or, you know, you can throw yourself in a ditch and do some humanitarian aid for some unsurmountable projects. Yeah. You know, witness some horrible things, stamp on your toe, whatever yeah. you like, and those are the shortcuts. Yeah, I think, again, at the end of the day, gratitude really... I mean, I've panged on about it in, mm. uh, in a lot of YouTube videos about gratitude being so important, but um, it really is, man. Just really taking, like, really internalizing the mm. things that you take for granted. Like, a lot of people take for granted mm. that I took for granted for years. Um, just being like, wow, man, I'm so grateful mm. for, you know, to have food in the fridge. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I think that, that, um, short uh, talk you shared with me by Sam Harris really opened up my gratitude practice because previously before that I was looking for all the things all the elevated things that I was grateful for and after I listened to that it made some very obvious points to be grateful for the things that are not Yeah, and there are a lot more of the things that are not than there are of the things that are Yeah. so when I'm looking for things to be grateful for that are you know above above normal I'm like oh I do like that at the moment oh, and that's really good but when you start being grateful for things you, you aren't or you you mm. haven't got like you know cancer or TB etc you're like wow there's a this is a big list I could go on writing my gratitude diary forever if exactly. I'm grateful for the things I don't have or don't have to experience and while that sort of has a, a, like a, a, a strangely sombre ring to it to always be looking for the you know the negatives that you don't have it's uh you know it's bloody important because yeah. uh, there are a hell of a lot of people out there that do have that shit and have to do with deal with that shit day to day exactly man exactly i like i think that little talk by sam harris is so powerful like think of all the terrible things that haven't happened to you mm. you know you're not suffering with a debilitating illness you're not in the acute stages of bereavement, mm. you know, you're not, you know, there's, he says like, there's a, at least a billion people in the world mm. that would consider their prayers answered if they could swap places with mm. you. Yeah, yeah. And that's just like, well, yeah, that, that, mm. that's, a, that's a given. That's, mm. that, that's undeniably true. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, why absolutely. are you complaining? Mm. <laughs> and yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up, man. Mm. Wicked. Yeah. Good chat, man. Good chat. Mm. Thank you. And we hope you've enjoyed listening. And Sorry if we banged on a bit too much. But no. You, know, you didn't have to listen to all of it. You're here now, so you obviously liked enough to carry on listening to this much, idiot. If, you, if you're still listening right now, then congratulations for making it to the end of our <laughs> podcast. And we'll see you in the next one. Ciao. Bye.